and they start in a barn. Their journey into heaven starts in a barn. And Lucy, who at this point has already been a queen in Narnia and once a king or queen in Narnia, always a king or queen in Narnia. And as Aslan is explaining to her what's about to happen, she says, yes, in our world too, a stable once had something inside that was bigger than our whole world. And as we read this familiar passage this morning, and we're going to read a lot of passages, what I want you to think about this Christmas morning, this Advent season, I didn't like the candles. Let's do that real quick. Y'all need to like give me cues or something here. I had one job. <laughs> one, one additional job. As we light the Christ candle, see that's a poor effect. I did that on purpose. Um, as we read these familiar words of the Christmas story, I want us to develop a mindset. I want us to understand whether you this morning are a follower of Jesus or you're not. This Christmas day, this Christmas celebration, while we're celebrating this Advent season, I want us to try to grasp the fact that it is so much bigger than we could possibly realize. That it is bigger than our whole world. That it's not just a story about a baby even though it is that. But who is that baby? What is that baby? And what does it mean for us? And we're going to look at three steps, three stages of what Christmas is all about, of what Advent is all about. We're going to look at incarnation, redemption, and consummation and try to wrap our feeble little minds around the truths that are bigger in our whole world. Luke 2. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because... He was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. If you read this with no context whatsoever, it's tragic. A poor young girl riding into town because she's got to be presented for the census. Her betrothed, they're not married yet. They can't even find somewhere to stay. There was no room for them. And so they end up out in the barn, basically, in a stable. And she has to give birth out there. Let me tell you what, if you never gave birth, you ain't ready for that. And I ain't never done it. 
I've seen it done, but I wasn't ready for that either. And taken out of context, it's incredibly sad. It's, in, it's tragic. But something was going on in this stable with this young lady, with this baby, that was bigger than our whole world. And why do I say that? Because John tells us, the Apostle John tells us, in the opening of his gospel, his Christmas story is this. In the beginning was the Word. That's a capital W. And the Word was with God. And check this out. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then he jumps forward a few verses, and he said, And the Word, who was and is God, became flesh, and dwelt, tabernacled is the real word there, tabernacled among us. And John says, We have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. From His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. Daniel saw a vision of Him we saw this morning. No one's ever seen God, the only God. The only God who was at the Father's side, this one like a son of man who became a baby and dwelt among us, He has made Him known. God showed up in a manger, in a stable, born of a woman who had never known a man in the biblical sense because that which was born in her, that which was conceived in her, was of the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, the virgin birth matters. If Jesus Christ was conceived by natural means, He was born in sin. But He wasn't. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and that which was conceived in her was the very seed of God. And that which was born of her was very God of very God, and very flesh of very flesh. And He walked among not us, he walked among them and showed everybody what God looked like. So what was going on in that stable, in that feeding trough, was so much more than could possibly have been imagined. Listen, God was there. God was there in flesh, in a body, in a baby. God who had gestated for nine months. The one who had said, let there be light, and there was light. The one that spoke the entire universe into existence. That God was enfleshed right then and right there. The creator had become created. The architect who had designed it all, who it came out of his mind and his heart, the architect was now among his own creation as a helpless baby. So what we celebrate at Advent at the, of the first coming, the mystery of the incarnation is wonderfully amazing 
and amazingly wonderful. And we don't think about it enough. But we can. And you're never going to understand it. Because it's bigger than anything you could think or imagine. It's greater than anything you could ever come up with in your mind. It's greater than any understanding that you could ever reach for and hope to grasp. And that was just the first coming. This one, like the Son of Man that Daniel saw, the one that was presented with an everlasting kingdom, came. But listen, better news than that. That one who was presented with an everlasting kingdom, that kingdom wasn't just for him. Oh, it is his exclusively. It all belongs to him. But, listen church, listen unsaved person. He came that he might share that kingdom. He came that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Paul says this in Romans 8, and we'll start there as we jump into our second point, which is redemption. Look at this. And we know, Paul says, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he, the son, the king, might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Have you ever heard somebody say in a gospel presentation, if you were the only one to ever believe in Jesus, he'd have come and done it for you. That is patently wrong. Jesus didn't come for one person to believe. Jesus didn't come so that one person just might possibly say, you know what, yeah, I think I will believe this Jesus guy. And then that one person march into heaven and spend eternity with God. Heavens no. Jesus came to purchase for himself a bride. Jesus came and did what he did to to purchase and to accomplish our redemption so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And this baby, God in the flesh, lived a perfect life, never sinned, not once, ever, fulfilled the law of God with his life, kept the law perfectly. And then, after he washed the disciples' feet, he marched to the cross. And there he absorbed the wrath of God for the sins of his people in his own body, crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the wrath of God was fully satisfied against the sins of His people in the body of this perfect Son of God. This perfect spotless Lamb who had been foretold since the first Passover. And He absorbed all of the wrath of God for the sins of His people. And before He expired, 
He willingly looked up to God and he said, It is finished. It is paid in full. The sin debt of every single person whom I have drawn to myself, who I will draw to myself, it's all paid for. It's done. It's finished. It's accomplished. To tell us, die. Now, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last and released his spirit from his body and he was dead. Dickens would say, dead as a doornail. And why a doornail is more dead than anything else, we don't know why. Dickens said that, not me. But the body of the Son of God hung lifeless on a cross. And he died your death so that you would never have to die that death. They buried him. They put him in a tomb. They rolled a big stone in front of it so nobody could get in and steal his body. Because that would be disastrous for the religious elite and for the government. Because this guy had said that he was going to be crucified and die and, and rise again. Well, We can't let that happen. But it did happen. Three days later... The lifeless body of Jesus took his spirit back in. I don't know how this worked. And he walked out of the tomb in a real physical body, in a glorified body that would never taste death again. And he presented himself alive in one setting to over 500 people who could testify of the truth of it. And then later he stood on a mountain and he said... I'm going home and I'm going to go prepare a place for you so that where I am there you may be also. And he ascended into heaven and angels came and said, Hey, you fellas that are looking up in the sky, why do you stand there looking up in the sky? This same Jesus who has ascended into heaven will come in like manner. And Jesus went up, Hebrews says, and sat at the right hand of God. And God said, I accept the sacrifice that you've made for the sins of our people. Of my people. That's our redemption. Jesus Christ accomplished that through his physical life. And this redemption is glorious. I'm just going to read one, two, three passages. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved." In Him we have redemption, there's that word, through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him. Things in heaven and on earth. Your redemption is way bigger than you understand. 1 Peter 1, 17-21 And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed, redeemed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. 
like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Listen, so that your faith and hope are in God. Romans 5, 6-11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Your redemption is so much bigger and better and greater and more glorious than you could possibly imagine. But we get to spend the rest of our days on earth basking in this. That He did come down, that He did lay down His life, that He did shed His blood so that our sins could be forgiven. And Paul would say in Ephesians 2 that you have been saved by grace through faith and that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Christmas is all about the gifts. We saw this pictured in the passage we read from John 13 during the Lord's table as Jesus, God in the flesh, washed His disciples' feet as an act of service and love. His redeeming us came from His lowering Himself into our situation and then becoming like us to the point of washing our feet and dying on a cross. That king that came in the flesh, who purchased his kingdom for himself and for us, is coming back as well. And all things will be consummated then. Incarnation, redemption, and finally, consummation. We do not just celebrate a past came Jesus. We celebrate that. We celebrate the incarnation. We celebrate the fact that God was made man, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. We celebrate the redemption that He accomplished for us through His perfect life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. But that's not all. We also celebrate today this last Sunday of Advent as we light the Christ candle And that candle represents Christ and we believe wholeheartedly. The scriptures tell us plainly that he is coming back again and he's going to make all things right. Titus 2, 11-14 For the grace of God has appeared. That happened, so that's the incarnation. Bringing salvation for all people. That's our redemption. And He's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hopes. No, it's not plural. It's singular. Waiting for our blessed hope. And what is that blessed hope? 
the greatest, most blessed hope that we have, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus is God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. Listen, our blessed hope is the appearing again when the clouds part and He comes down of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the great hope that we have as Christians. It's not a fable. It's not a story. It's not pie in the sky by and by so that we can partake of the opiate of the masses to make ourselves feel better while we struggle and suffer down here. While we struggle and suffer down here, and we do, all of our hope is fixed, Peter says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, we can celebrate the second coming well before it happens. Because it is as real as the baby that laid in the manger. And if you're a skeptic, I don't even know if that baby in the manger was true, there's plenty of historical evidence for the baby in the manger. There's plenty of historical evidence for a rabbi wandering around Palestine around that time named Jesus. There's plenty of historical evidence of this Jesus being crucified and buried. There are plenty of proof texts that show that that same Jesus came out of the grave. And as sure as that is, and it is 100% sure, the second coming is just as sure. You say, well, where is it? But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord, listen, will come like a thief. And what's going to happen? Watch this. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. Remember that fire? that was issuing forth from the vision of God that Daniel had, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved down to the molecular level, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we are waiting for a new heavens, oh, and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We can celebrate that just as if it's already happened, because it's that sure. The second coming is that sure. And you're like, well, that, that, that's interesting. I want you, we've read this so many times. I hope it's not old hat to you. I hope that as we finish this Advent celebration today, that what you're looking forward to is this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. We saw that it dissolved and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city made of holy living stones. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice, and I won't be loud, okay? 
but it, it was loud when John heard it. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, and we know who that is, right? The baby in the manger. The one like a son of man who was presented before the ancient of days. This Jesus that we celebrate at this advent. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. That's what we celebrate when we look forward to the second advent. And Jesus said, write it down. Because it's true. It is already accomplished. I am making all things new. And from the councils of eternity past into eternity future, this eternal plan will have its fulfillment when Jesus Christ returns and sets up His kingdom here on the earth and His people reign and rule with Him. That's what we celebrate when we talk about the second advent. And it's done. It hasn't happened in time yet. We dwell in time. God does not. But it's done. It's finished. It is done. The second advent is done. I'm not saying Jesus isn't coming back. But I'm saying it's as sure as if it has already happened. That's why we can celebrate the second advent. You're like, I can't celebrate what hasn't happened yet. It is done. We just haven't experienced it yet. And through His incarnation, through His perfect life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, He accomplished our redemption, and now He invites us into celebrating the eventual, sure, certain, already happened, not yet, consummation of His kingdom this Advent season. I don't know where you stand this morning. Yeah, we're here In this realization of God's plan, God's work, God's very heart as shown in the first coming of Christ, His work of of our redemption, and the surety of His eternally coming kingdom. I don't know where you stand, but I'll tell you this. The scripture says this. You don't understand it. You can't grasp the enormity of it. It's way bigger than you could possibly imagine. Scripture said, He is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything that you can think or imagine. And maybe you're sitting here and you're hearing my voice and you're saying, He could never save me. I know where I've been. He knows where you've been too. And through His perfect life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and waiting for His coming again, He has bought the rights 
to get your sins, to throw them to the bottom of the sea, never to be brought up again, if you will place your faith in Him, if you will trust that the grace of God has come, bringing salvation for all men, and place your faith in His finished work, this Advent season becomes the season of your new birth. As you embrace who He is, what He has done, and what He is going to do, which is so far above anything you could think or imagine. And for those of us who do know Him, who are intimately acquainted with Him because of His finished work, yes, we celebrate a baby in a manger. Yes, we celebrate the incarnation. Yes, we celebrate His finished work to purchase our redemption, to give value to us, to give life to us that we did not have in and of ourselves. And yes, we celebrate the surety of the consummation of all things when He returns and we reign and rule with Him. You don't understand that. I don't understand that. We don't understand that. But man, it's good. And these are the things we celebrate during this Advent season. I pray that you would take the joy of the Holy Spirit of God who brings light and gives understanding of these things in your heart today and that you would, like Mary, ponder them in your heart, treasure them up in your heart, and live a life that shows the glory of God as you wash one another's feet, as you serve one another, and proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. The light has shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, nor will it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You know our needs. To our weaknesses, no stranger. And you wrapped yourself up in a package of flesh and became a baby who became a boy who became a man and through it all was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And Father, you accepted his work, his sacrifice on behalf of us who would believe. And you made us in his image and you're fashioning us to be more and more like him every day. And for those who aren't in him, who have not trusted him, even today you call out, come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and place your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ so that you may gloriously anticipate his glorious second coming in which he sets up his kingdom and we reign and rule with him. Father, thank you so much for a perfect plan an eternal plan from eternity past into eternity future that you have included us in. And may we celebrate it well, this glorious Advent and Christmas season. And may you get all the glory for it, we ask in Jesus' name. And amen. Would you stand and receive a benediction as we dismiss this beautiful, wonderful morning? Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And all God's people said, Amen. You're dismissed. Merry Christmas. We do have gifts. We've got wonderful citrus and chocolate for you. So let us get that set up and y'all can partake of it. God bless you.